Welcome to the second season of Escape from the Burnout Society podcast. This is a podcast for women and men that want to keep or recover their mental and physical resilience despite all the challenges of our modern society. Every season, professionals of all fields related to stress and health will share their knowledge with you. You will also find valuable free information on www.escapeburnoutsociety.com. So stay tuned. This is your host, Gabriela Guzman. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Escape from the Burnout Society podcast. My name is Gabriela Guzman Sanabria. I'm your host. And I am very excited to introduce our guest, Ingrid Honkala, whose life story is extraordinary. Ingrid Honkala was born in Bogota, Colombia, where she grew up. From a very young age, she was fascinated by the sea and told her father at the age of five that she would become a marine scientist. And she did. Years later, she would graduate as a marine biologist, biologist, and after brilliant scientist, scientific research career in Colombia. She would also obtain a PhD in marine sciences and worked for the NASA in the United States, where she lives right now. She's also author of the book, A Brightly Guided Life. As a child, not only she had amazing learning abilities that were astonishing for her age, but she also could see and hear things that other people couldn't. What she will explain us later. All these abilities seem to be tied up with the aftermath of a near-death experience, or NDE, that she had when she drowned at the age of two in a water container in Colombia. This is going to be an amazing interview. Ingrid, you are very welcome. Wow, thanks so much for having me here. I feel so honored, so honored. Oh gosh, thank you. Yeah, we are also very honored to have you here. And, um, well, it's, uh, your story is very amazing, Ingrid. And, uh, since we have, uh, uh, only about an hour, I think I'm going to begin immediately with the first question is going to be about that experience you had when you were very young as a toddler and you drowned in, uh, in, in the water. Explain what happened there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That was a, an incredible experience because that says what, that's what opened for me the path of start looking within the path of self-realization. But what happened is, yeah, I was very, very little, close to three years old. My parents used to work, would leave us at the care of a, a maid. And early one morning they left. And this lady didn't really pay much attention to us when my parents were not around. One morning they left and she went back to do her thing in her room and my oldest sister she was close to four and I decided oh let's go play in the patio and we didn't supposed to be there but no one is watching so let's go and the reason why is because in the patio there was a big tank and the purpose of this tank was uh, for collecting water for hand washing clothes because back then we didn't have a washing machine so my sister and I saw the tank, decided let's play there. And we wanted to play cash through a ball across the tank. We climbed the walls and she threw the ball at me, but she didn't apply enough force. And because I was sitting at the edge of the tank, they're leaning very precariously in this tank. 
When the ball was floating in the water, I leaned forward thinking I could grab it. It rolled and I fell in the tank. So at that moment, Gabriel, imagine the, the, the first thing I felt was the, the intensity of, of the cold water because this water was probably about 30, 40, oh, um, maybe if I, I would say 30, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit, which is equivalent to about four or five degrees Celsius. So yeah, it was a pretty cold water and then it was the impact of this temperature. And after that was the sense of, I don't know why I cannot breathe. I never had been in a pool, never had been in a bathtub. So I never had had the, the head under the water. So at this moment was that sense of like, why I cannot breathe. And when I am in this state of absolute terror, in just a flash, I went from that horror to state of absolute peace. Oh, I didn't know what happened, but I felt incredibly well. And I started to experience contrast, a very, very strong contrast. First, the sense that um, I always like to bring this up because when I fell in the tank, it was a very dark space. It was entirely made of cement. It was very early in the morning. So it was, it was very dark inside this tank. So the last thing I saw was the darkness of the space. And then right there, when I went to state of well-being, a light came on. And I just, it was, this light was like the light of a candle that was able to illuminate my whole watery surrounding. And then from there, the other incredible contrast I experienced was like before I drowned, what I was hearing was my heart beating really hard in my chest, like a drum, boom, boom, boom. And just like that, there was silence. And this silence was incredibly amazing. It's what I call the silence behind the silence. And oh my God, Gabriel, I wanted that silence for the rest of my life. Later, it was like, how can I go back to that? Because it was the silence, not just from noise, it was the silence of that brought so much peace and calmness and oh, well-being. And then uh, right there, while I am in this state of, of joy and peace, I started to see bubbles. And it was by chasing these bubbles surrounded, bubbles surrounded by light that I saw a body that was suspended in the water. And then I had the clarity. I knew, oh, that's my body. And I didn't feel afraid. It was the sense of familiarity. It was incredible. Like, oh, that's normal. And then... From there, it comes the, the other big uh, contrast and is that I was born as a very sick child. And sometimes we wonder why children will be sick or whatever, but this over time show me everything has a purpose. 
And at that moment in my life, it was to show me that contrast of feeling unwell for almost the first three years of my life, always being sick. I didn't even know what well-being was in reality. And on top of having a um, a sick body, uh, I, I there was a lot of noise in the house. There was a lot of uh, chaos in Colombia. There was the country was at war. So I was always inundated by all these negativity problems in the house. Uh, like I said, a, a sick body. So it was all this noise. And then right there at that moment in that piece, I looked at that body and I said, no, I'm not going back there. And I just made that decision of turn around and I left the body. And then when I turned and I started to see flowers that were blooming from nowhere and I was picked up and oh, the intensity, even the peace grew bigger. Because I put the, the, the analogy like, it's like going back to the womb. You don't have to do anything. It's just like you're being carried, protected, guided. And when I'm in this state, um, in just a flash, Gabriela, I appear in the maid's room. The lady that's supposed to be taking care of us. And she's just, just there sharing, uh, listening um, the radio and listening soap operas in the radio. And I looked at her and I said, oh, that's Maria. And she completely unaware. And from there again, in another blink, which is, this is the most amazing part of, of this whole story and is the validation of how this validates what happened. And is that I appear in my mom's path. Like she was on her way to work. She didn't have a car, she was walking and she had to cross an entire neighborhood to get to her bus stop. And she was almost close to there when I just appeared there and I looked at her and I said, oh, that's mom. And at that very moment, she stopped. She did not give another step. She did not even hesitate. She knew something is happening at home with one of my babies. And she turned around and started to run back home. And I looked at her and I'm like, oh, but I got distracted at that moment by the realization that wherever I put my mind, I could go. It's like time and space just vanished. And I, I saw a dog at the end of the street and I was with the dog. Then I saw a park and I was in the park. So it was like, I started to play this game of like, this is so cool. And then in just a blank, in just a blink again, just in just a second again, I appeared in a realm that was made of pure, bright, intense, shiny light. And it's when oh, I felt for the first time in those almost three years that I was home. I felt, oh gosh, now, now this, I mean, imagine the progression of this piece. It went bigger and bigger and bigger. The state of well-being, the state of like, I am home. And that I was being welcome. I didn't see anyone, but it was the sense of like, oh, I'm embraced. I am. I. This feels so good. 
And again, that sense of familiarity, like not even three years of my life had passed and I was back home. And then I started to have the sense like, although I saw my body in the water, up to this point, I didn't have the clarity, the realization that I was not that persona. And it's when I just realized myself as a being of light. And I started to have the sense that, wow, like I was just dissolving with the whole. And this went even, even farther because I experienced what I call the sense of nothingness, non-self. People get, get afraid about the word nothingness, but I, I, I just say to them, no, it's just that place where we're not in a box. There's nothing that we know. It's, it's the pure potential. Is the state of absolute consciousness and, and pure presence. And when I am in the, that state of, which is a grandiosity, in just like my mom finally arrived home. And she incredibly would live in a very big house, but she knew where to go. And she directed herself to the back of the house. And my sister was still there. And, and it was to pretty much proof to my mom, my sister, she told her, my sister is there and I cannot get her. And my mom jumped in the tank, got me out. Uh, she knew CPR, she'd been trained, she worked with children. So incredibly all these things together for my mom to be able to, to help me. And she started to do what she knew. And I was so disconnected at this point from this reality that I didn't feel anything nothing she was doing but then again like everything in this experience in, in in just a blink i felt i had jumped from the tallest building in the world and i was being pulled sucked back and there's nothing i could do and then i just knew i was back in the body when all the feelings of coldness and not feeling well and I didn't have that freedom and all these things just started to happen and I'm like oh, I was not happy <laughs> to be back and from there then yeah many tensions and problems developed from there because I just was not happy to be back yeah and I think um but you were very young and this, these images are really very vivid in your mind, huh? They're really very clear. You yeah. have said that many times. And, uh, and, and this was only the start, of course, for you, because you were completely changed and you were, uh, uh, actually a very difficult child. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yes. Tell me how this, uh, this, I mean, when you were very young and you became an adolescent, how, because you kept a kind of um, connection with this world and it became more clear to you what it was. But uh, yeah, tell me, how did it happen? Well, and how did you integrate with the other world? So yes, what happened like, and this is beautiful, Ariel, because I, I say that for me is like the door never closed because people ask me that question. How can you remember? One, I would say, how can I forget, actually? Because one, the intensity of 
the experience, the, the imagine drowning. And after that, the continuation of having more experiences. So this didn't stop. But this is really, I want to, to just bring something really, really cool because no long ago, the beings of life say something incredible to me because I said that the door never closed. And people, and, and they said, of course, the door never closed because there is no door. In reality, the light, what we would say, the light of, of the sun, the light of, of God, source, is there for absolutely everybody. It's just that due to conditioning, due to beliefs, due to so many things, we are the ones that close that door. So it's like the sun is always, always shining. What we need to do is just open the window. But why do I mention this? Because, yeah, for me, is that that door never closed. And I, like you mentioned, I kept connected with this realm of the light, how I call it. And yes, when I came back, the thing is, um, the after effects were very strong. I will look at, at my parents and, and feel I'm not that they were not just my biological parents. I felt them as my equal because I had experienced oneness. And I will look at my body and say, I am not this child. I'm not just this child. I have now this awareness. And I will look at myself in the mirror and cry and say to my mom, I'm not this person. I am not this name. I am not this. And the other thing is like, you mentioned, Gabriel, I came with abilities that I didn't have before. And no long after my near-death experience, I could read, I could write, I could resolve mathematical problems, I could put together complex puzzles. So imagine all that <laughs> in a in now by by now, like like I said, I was close to three years old. So now like how is this child having all these? these abilities and it was hard because my mom said that I was the most rebellious child that she ever met and my mom was a, a teacher and because I refused to be conditioned when I came back I I that door I, all that had opened for me and I wasn't going to limit myself to see things from the way people were things in here to the point that I could not relate with other children. Because to me, it was like, what is happening to these people? They don't know anything. And I even couldn't relate, we couldn't relate with pretty much no one. <laughs> and my mom will take me with her to, because I, I was just, she said, oh, you, you just was like a grown up in the body of a child. And she will bring me, places with her to talk to her friends or something. And I would sit in a chair, cross my arm, my leg, and they would tell stories of their sufferings, their things, whatever. And I would just listen. And I knew all their sufferings because it's like in, in my mind, it's like, oh, I have been there. I have experienced that. I understand what she's going through. And I was just a little child. So... Having all, all these abilities and, and, and all these, in a way we can say, oh, this is incredible, but in the other way it was really hard because I felt very different from everyone else. So it, it just felt that 
the sense of being isolated. And what happened as one of these uh, incredible after effects too is that right after my near-death experience, I kept having what we know today as out-of-body experiences. So I kept having access to the realm of the light I experienced when I died. And it was the sense that I want to be there. And in one of these journeys, because I was going to that realm continuously, I was surrounded one day by starlight figures that were shining in all different colors. And one of these journeys, one of these starlight figures shaped itself into a human form and it touched me. And I said, you are a being of light. So these are the beings of light I'm referring to <laughs> at the beginning of, of the conversation. But it's, it was incredible because it's when that window of communication open even wider. So I, I was not just now seeing this realm of the light. Now I was seeing what I call beings of light. And when this happened, I started to kind of feel better. I started to, because I stopped eating. I was very angry. I didn't want to be here. I stopped talking to everyone. I, I even didn't want to be touched. And then um, the it was so intense, Gabriela, that I just wanted to be there and I wanted to be sleeping. So, of course, I could not be the girl that has left forever <laughs> because that was my way to be connected. And although I started to feel better because I was seeing the beings of light, I was still throwing big tantrums because it was the sense I'm not connected to this reality, to this human and to my name and to all these. And one day they were calling me for dinner and I wouldn't go. And they this now by now we had a new, <laughs> it was a new maid and she's calling me and I, I wasn't answering. And she came and I said, we're calling you for dinner. Why you're not coming? And I said, stop calling me like that. Because when I would hear my name, Ingrid, Ingrid, I would get aggravated. And she said, Ingrid, we're calling you. And I said, don't call me like that. That is not my name. And she said, so how should we call you? What is your name? And I say, I do not need one. So imagine these things. They were like, uh, this is crazy. <laughs> so they sent me to bed, Gabriel. And that was the time when... Uh, Besides seeing and sensing by now, I could smell the presence. When the beings of light were very intensely around me, I could smell their presence, like smell of flowers. And I could sense and I could see. But now it was the time when I started to be able to hear. And it's when they said to me, it's going to take a while for them to understand that names are not needed in the realm of the light. Yeah. How old were you at these moments when you finally talked to them and they talked to you? Four. Four, yeah. And then it took many more years before you could really integrate a little bit them with your life. Oh, yes, yes. It, it was all a progression. It, was, it all happened little 
little, little by little. So yes, yes. Thankfully, Gabriela, I, um, when I was five years old and I started to go to school, because up to this point, if I would mention anything, this is the other thing they told me at that moment. They say, don't mention us because they're not going to understand. But in my mind, it was like, what is not to understand? Because I could see, and I was in open communication with all these. And, my, and I, I was seeing them everywhere. I first started to see them when I was just doing these uh, out-of-body experiences. But then I started to see them here. The first time one appeared here, I was taking a shower. And I saw this intense blue light shining in the bathroom. And I said, now the beings of light are here. So I could now be in, in, in direct communication with this realm of the light. And, but people, of course, around, nobody saw what I saw. Nobody really understood. So I felt isolated, like we were mentioning. But when I started kindergarten, because the beings of light told me not to say anything, I started to do drawings. I started to paint. I, I, you know, as a child, you have to express this somehow. And this was so strong in me. So I was painting beings of light everywhere. <laughs> it was like shining lights. And, and the other thing we discovered is that I could see auras because I was painting all my drawings at auras, but I didn't know that nobody could see this. So the teacher came and she said to me, oh, are those the stars and the sun? Because she was curious that I'm painting these all everywhere, all the time. And I said, no, 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 those are my friends, the beings of light. And I did, I realized she didn't say anything because her face and her, and she's like, astounded by this. And she's like, I'm going to call your, your parents because they thought that I was having imaginary friends. And they already thought I was, I, they always thought I was different because I was quiet. I was in my own space. I didn't want to talk to anyone. So, the, but this was perfect because it's when my mom came to school and when they're looking at these drawings, I, I said to my mom, mom, because I wanted someone to believe me so badly. I said, mom, these are the colors that we wear and these are my friends, the beings of life. And my mom pretty much made this face. It was like, be silent because she didn't want me to be in trouble at a school. She was a teacher too. So I was so sad thinking no one believes me. And I wanted someone to be in my, my page. And on the way home, my mom said, I believe you. And I said, really? And she's like, yeah. And it's when she revealed to me that she also could see things that nobody did. And she said that uh, since she was about three, four years old, she could see what we know as spirits. So this was incredible. But my mom at that moment gave me that validation again. She said, it's better if you don't tell anyone. Because it happened to me. She said they were not open to understand what I was seeing. And because of the religion and everything, she would be punished if she would talk about these things. She said she, she would be regarded as she was lying. So I learned it, but now I felt the validate, like, oh gosh, my mom also sees things. And that was to me 
the world that meant to me the world because now I, I had that connection but later I started also to see what we what she was describing as spirits and it's when I had the realization that the spirits and the beings of life were not the same and I went to my mom and I said mom no 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 the spirits are not the same because they cause me fear and then my mom started to ask me with more detail what is that I was seeing. And she started to, to cry because she said, I think that you see angels. And I just said, I don't know. So I went to ask the being so light. I've been talking with them. It was now I was six years old. I've been talking with them for a couple of years. And I, I said to them, first, I asked, what is with these spirits? Because I felt fear. It was, I, it was just a difference in, in vibration. And then they, I, I thought the answer was going to be, yeah, they're different or whatever. And it's amazing how it's when we realize that respect is not what it is. And they said, no, look, that thing that, that, that you call a spirits, you, us, we're all the same. The only difference is the level of awareness that everyone has about who they truly are. That's what makes it different. And then I said, my mom said that you are angels. Is that what you are? And this answer was incredible, Gabriela, because they said to me, you can call us whatever you want. This is beautiful because the universe presents to us in the way that we can process this and we can understand it. Wow. And what a relief that your mom was really believing you. Uh -huh. Yeah, I can imagine that was really a big relief. And um, because, I mean, I read your book, which I really recommend to everyone that is listening at this moment. Um, then you can see your struggle. I mean, it began at the moment you drowned, but it went through your whole life. And many people might think, oh, you know, people have this this ability to talk to uh, you call the beings of life and um, they might think you have a kind of romantic way of life you know oh well these people have uh, these, these abilities and we all don't have them and what is very nice about your book is that you can read through the lines that actually everybody can have this connection um, but it is what you also say about the awareness people have of what they are And so a little bit fast forward, you go through this kind of difficult uh, childhood and then you grow, but you have this fascination with the sea and you decide you're going to go to the university and become a marine scientist. So now it comes science and spirituality. Tell me what happens there. Yes, that's fascinating. And, and, and you know, this is incredible, Gabriela, because people ask me, And, and this is very interesting. They ask, how, how could you become a marine scientist if you drown? <laughs> They said you should be so terrified of water. And, and that's the part where I said, look what happened when you go beyond the trauma, beyond the challenge, beyond that experience as the part of the drowning. I said, Because to me, I didn't stay in that part of the experience. To me, drowning 
brought me to see the light, brought me to the depthness of who I am. So to me, water became an amazing symbol, an amazing weight. It's, it's the, what just pretty much opened the bridge to me. So I, I became fascinated not just with anything that had to be related with water, but also with deafness. If you think about it, I fell in that deep tank. It was like 900 gallons of water. It was a big tank. So it was, the, again, the sense of going deep and falling into the tank and going to the deafness of who I was. And for me, I became not just a, a marine scientist, but a scuba diver. And I've been diving many places and doing night diving and diving into caves and diving in deep diving things that and it was in, in the parallel in my life too i wanted to go deep into everything then i wanted to learn and and since i was very little even before i i um started to work with um science itself i was reading a lot i wanted to to know the depthness of everything Reason why from the age of eight, nine, when spiritual books started to appear in our lives because of my grandmother, she was following all these other paths of spirituality. I was already reading books like the Bhagavad Gita, self-realization, um, discernment, all kind of stuff. But by, like you mentioned, by the age of, of four, when my parents brought me to see the ocean and with all this connection, I said, I want to be a marine scientist. I told to my dad when I was five, and that's what I felt I wanted to do. I wanted to know more. So when I, I um, ended high school, I, I knew with clarity, most children didn't know what to do when they finish high school. They don't have clue. I don't know. Let's try. I knew. And I went to this path of, becoming a scientist. But this is the other incredible thing that I didn't see at the moment, Gabriela, is that sometimes life is guiding us, everything is guiding us actually to balance. And what happened also at that moment of my life, I was floating in the clouds. I was in all these spiritual groups. I was practicing transcendental meditation. I started to meditate when I was eight years old. I went to my first Buddhist temple to learn reading meditations when I was 12. I had read all these books. I was a person that, so I could imagine, I could not relate with anyone that was my age or anything like that. And when I entered college, it was the moment that I knew within myself, I need to ground. And life was pulling me to that grounding. And what more grounded than picking science? <laughs> And picking this career, and it, so it was like now let's balance the left and the right brain, and let's balance this en entire person. Yeah, and I even I made that decision when I was 19 years old. I'm already in college. I also had three sisters, very beautiful. They now, I mean, from like the time we were we were teenagers, it was um, boys and parties and going out, and I. It was also this pool. I wanted to be like them. 
and I couldn't relate. I want to be like everyone else. And I, it was this really feeling I don't fit anywhere. And when I went to college, to me, it was, okay, I have to make this decision of like wanting to ground or just keep this sense of I don't belong. And then it's when I told the beings of light, they asked me if I wanted to be a spiritual teacher. But at the moment, I didn't see how. It didn't even present to me in a way I could do this. I, I wasn't interested. And I looked at them and I said, I don't want to teach anything. And I even say at that moment, I asked them if I could just please, they could please go so I could be here. And then they say yes. But is is you know the incredible thing is that it's not like they packed in their things and left. The beings are like always here. I was the one that changed my my frequency, my channel. And I said to people, it's like like if you have your parents, you always been with them. This is the analogy in the same house. And now you go to college and you pretty much leave the house, but you're one call away. See, that connection will always be there. But what I did is my, my frequency changed. And I, like if I am a radio, I moved that dial, my antenna went down to say something. And now I, I just incredibly, the, the boyfriend I had, the first boyfriend I had in college was a very grounded, grounded, grounded person. So I was needing these things to ground in this world. And, and that, uh, doing science and choosing this career really helped me for that. And again, it was it was the part that anyways, Gabriela, because I had this connection, which, like I said, is not like completely goes away. I always live my life with those principles, with the sense of, of goodness, the sense of no matter what I was doing in my life, I was always wanting to do things from the place of connecting with my heart, from the place of, of not harming anyone, from the place of how can I be good, as we call it. But the moment I, I turn off that light, I say to people, the analogies is like a, if you're in a room with the light on, and now I turn the light light off. And when you have the light on in a room, you can see where all the furniture is. So you're not going to trip over. But what happened when you turn off the light? Now you every piece of furniture in the room becomes an obstacle. So that's what happened for me. I, I started to go through a period of time where I had many sufferings very, very intense sufferings. And all of that is in my book. But incredibly, all those, we will think, oh my God, were all these sufferings necessary? I would just say yes, because this is what shaped me later in life to now really wake up and understand all that had happened when I was little, when I was younger, because although I had all that awareness, I did not have a conscious clarity of what was 
what had happened. And this opened the door for me to be more compassionate, more loving, more to have empathy. Because when I was little and people would not have that clarity, the, the awareness that I had, I was saying, what happened to these people? And I sometimes would think, are they all sick? Are they stupid? Sorry to say that, but that's how I felt. And so what that makes us just be arrogant. But going through all those sufferings, all these troubles, all these challenges brought me to that place of being so gentle, not just with others, but myself. Be compassionate with others and myself. Be more loving with others and myself. And, and realize that the more I walked away from the true nature of who I was, from that peace, from that calmness, from that joy, from that intense love and sense of purpose, the more I suffered. Until life shook me so hard that I had to stop. And that's what happened to us in life. We become so distracted that life will shake us hard for us to make the decision, I have to stop. And sometimes it can show in the way of a sickness or losing our job or losing someone we love or whatever it is needed at the moment for us to stop and make a change. Exactly. Well, as you know, this is this is uh, escape from the burnout society. That's exactly what you're talking about. Is this kind of lifestyle that is driving us mad and driving us away from the things that we really love and the really things, the things that really matter to us, which we forget, we really forget them. We disconnect ourselves. And uh, and one of the very interesting chapters about your life because well I, I really devoured your book. I was like I cannot I cannot stop reading it. Is um this moment you are at the NASA and you have this very brilliant career. And you know I can't imagine you cannot share talks about the beings of light when you are with people at the NASA. I mean It, it, it might be one of the most difficult things to do because I know many other scientists who have very, um, well, awakened spirits, you know, that they, they, they would like to talk about this, but this is very difficult. How did you feel there? Yes, yes. So yeah, of course, the, especially after I had what I call a, a big, big awakening because for, for, Long time, like I said to you, and, and especially it was a window of 20 years where I was more dedicated to my career. So I, I like I said, I always um, hold the principles of, of being what we call a good person. <laughs> but I, it, but it, it was the sense of like, yeah, like I was very busy. Like you say, it's very easy to forget who we truly are. And then now I have this huge big awakening where I had the absolute clarity of everything that really had happened and I was like in this state of like I know who I am <laughs> I truly know who I am and then now like you say I am in this environment on top of carrying all these experiences now I have this deep 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 awareness 
And then I asked the beings of light, what can I do? Or what could I, could I say to these people? Because, you know, you start feeling the sense, oh, I wish anybody could know the truth of who they are, of what is all this about, what is all this world for? And then the answer was incredible because the beings of light said, I, I, I was asking, what can I do or say to these people? And the answer was do or say nothing. <laughs> they say the light of your awareness is all they need. They say be, be that light because that's a, that's a problem with humanity. That's why there's so many separation with religions, with ways of thinking, with spirituality, with all these wars. And it's because the moment I know something, I want to impulse it in others. And they say it's not about saying or doing, it's about being. Be that light, be that love, be that compassion, be that kindness. And you don't have to say anything, walk your talk. And then what would happen is that later the saying and the doing will come from the state of being. And incredibly, the connection I started to even have with the projects I was doing, with the things I was doing was so enormous, Gabriela, that I was creating incredible things. Because I say to people, it's not that you have to abandon your job, you, your family, you go to a cave when you have a, a, a big realization like that, when you become the clear conscious of, of who you are. No, it's like, how now I apply all these to my human experience. So it's not about just becoming self-realized, but self-actualized. What do I do with all of this? How I, I just become an awakened, grounded being. So this is beautiful because like we were saying, my career as a scientist gave me the ground I needed and all my, my spiritual experiences gave me the possibility now to, wow, go to that place of balance between being spiritual and being human. So I was able to, to walk there and realize I don't need to impose anything. I just need to be. And the beings of light said to me, your path, your path is the path of gentleness. Be gentle, be loving, be giving, and you don't. You don't need to impose anything. And the people that feel the need to talk with you to, because they're like seeing you, then they will come and people, and then the conversations will happen. And look, real, I, I kept traveling. I've been uh, in 56 countries in the world. I was in oceanographic cruises and surveys all over the world. And incredible, just by being and shining that light, people would come. And incredible conversations would happen, even with people you didn't even imagine that have anything to talk about. It. And it don't matter, military people, scientists, doctors, engineers, architects, mm, I don't know, the chef, the carpenter, every is, and it's incredible because what is that we're all yearning to that connection? Just like a magnet, really like being a magnetic. Yeah. But tell me, Ingrid, because look, um, you've been spiritual all your life. I mean, since this amazing experience you had, this was kind of a second skin for you. But you 
you can also imagine, you know, that people grow and they get conditioned, very conditioned by environment. And you learn to earn your money and to value yourself through that amount of money you are earning or any kind of title you get and how far you get with any kind of endeavor you begin in your life. And this determines the life and the happiness of many people. What would you say to them? I, I just say to them that there's value in everything. And we can appreciate all these things, but do not put yourself of identity. Don't, don't identify yourself, your sense of identity in yourself. Don't put your sense of identity in, in the external things. Because it's when suffering happens. I, I love this sentence that says, life is not here to make you happy. Life is here to challenge you so you can find that happiness within yourself. You know, when you talk about science and spirituality, people ask me how you mix both, like you were asking me. And this is the perfect, perfect. I see it reflected in, in, in my life as we were talking. It, it, it's just incredible because that sense of separation is only in the mind. Because I said spirituality is not a belief. Spirituality is not religion. Spirituality is science. Why? Because spirituality is experience. It's empirical. It's like, go do it. Like I was saying, be that light and you'll see what happened. Be the embodiment of love and you'll see what happened. So it's like, oh, let's try to be the embodiment of compassion. So now you try you compare it through observation. Look how yeah, you, this really make a difference, and you get a result. It's science. So we see it in our life. If making all this money, make getting all these possessions, all these positions, doing in our job, and all these, yeah, I, I have these really short moments of of feeling happy. But the more I see that contrast, is the realization. It seems that it's not there. Because that happiness is only momentary. That is only, what if we can really, really go with, with in, connect with the nature of who we truly are and everything outside ourselves, like I was saying, we can appreciate, but that's not what made me who I am. The beings of life show me a room like this and they said, show me Tell me something that never, ever, ever changes in this room. Of course, the space in the room. The space in the room never, ever changes. What changes is the furniture in the room. You can move and you can kick it, you can destroy it, you can give it away, put a new one. So you're putting yourself of identity in the furniture in the room. You become a puppet of your reality. The now, the changes in money, the changes in job, the changes, whatever happened in your outer world is going to keep shaking you hard. But the more you quiet your mind, the more you realize I am not the furniture in the room, I am the space in the room. Then now you really go to the place where you empower yourself. 
and you start becoming the creator of your reality. Going to that place where silence and, and connection and inner wisdom is going to bring you to receive and to be able to give the right answers. The beings of life said to me, power, the source of all power comes from silence. Le learn to quiet your mind. And when you quiet your mind, you know, later you realize, you know, that money, those positions, those jobs, all these is not who I am. And you can feel appreciation for all of it. But if it goes, it's okay. If it comes, it's okay because you're not identifying yourself with that. So there's a very big difference between appreciation and attachment. I can appreciate everything, but not be attached to it. And every time I think something is, oh my God, the drama, the life is up. What we become quiet. I said, you don't have to go to a room and meditate for 15 minutes. Meditation, again, is not a doing. It's a state of being. Learn, learn to come. Learn to enter in the space of calmness. I said, people practice presence at every moment. Every chance from your office to the bathroom. Give yourself the opportunity to breathe, to listen to your steps, to practice that presence. Wow. You're giving that gift to yourself. People don't understand that when they do this, when they become more present, when they become more in touch with their spaciousness in themselves, you become more intelligent. You become more efficient. And the whole chemistry of your body changes because you talk about the burnout, what is happening, the more stress you bring into your life. And, and the less you go to that place of, being able to have inner calmness. So what happened is that you are creating a, and, and you are actually even becoming addicted to high levels of cortisol in your body. Your system is releasing all these stress hormones and we become completely um, wanting and, and feeling that we want more of that. And that create sickness in the body. Imagine having high levels of cortisol all the time that produces inflammation, that produces the fact that you cannot digest the food well, that start producing problems in the heart, in the colon, in the lungs, in the kidneys especially. So now we are in complete place where the body, the mind, the emotions are not balanced. And it becomes like um, like a cycle, like a, it spirals. And, and we get trapped into this because the more hormones we release, the more the body is not feeling well, the more the mind is going to think what is going on, the emotions are going. So see this cycle, you start getting trapped. The only way is to stop and go back to silence. Little by little, one conscious breath. I say to people, think that you're carrying a bag full of rocks. And you're, you're walking your day with a bag full of rocks. I, I say to people, go even do this, run to blocks or walk to blocks. 
and with, with a backpack full of rocks and see how you feel. And now take it off. Oh, oh, this feels so good. That's what we're doing to our system. And the moment you take that backpack out of your shoulders, you give that a space. Guess what? You release serotonin. You release hormones that produce well-being in the body. And that feels good. So they have, they have to lose this bag full with attachments, full with them, because yeah. that's what gives you exactly this peace, this internal peace. Yes. So we, like I said, we detach don't mean that we leave the job, we leave the family. We, no, just in what we're doing, I can be sitting in front of my computer in my job and close my eyes. Even, even with sense perception, people don't understand that sense perception is a portal to awareness. We take it for, for granted. See and, and, and feel the, the keyboards for once and close your eyes and use your sense, sense perception. I said, if you walk, look, listen, feel, give yourself to give the moment to do walking meditation. Even when you walk from your car to the building where you're working, you can do walking meditation. Listen to the birds, feel the wind for a few minutes. Listen to your steps and you just start practicing presence. And the moment you enter that building, you're like, oh, I'm ready to work today without the backpack. And the moment you start feeling, oh, I'm carrying this backpack, go to the bathroom, give yourself the moment to rest, open the window, look, oh, close your eyes right there. Unconscious breathing. I, sell to, I say to people, write a little note to remind yourself, I exist. I am. When people even think I exist, we would, we'll be like, wow, I said, what an appreciation to know that I actually exist. The being so like said to me, you don't imagine how much appreciation every human would have if they realize that for them to exist, for them to exist, trillions and trillions and trillions of subatomic particles have to be in agreement. They said, Ingrid, you are a divine intention. And when do we ever stop and think, wow, look at this, this pen. For it to exist, trillions of particles have to be in agreement and in alignment with the creative thinking of the universe. Wow. Somebody thought, oh, a glass of water that I drink. So look what, what happened. That's what is called high vibrational frequency. The moment you stop, the moment you breathe, the moment you feel appreciation, the moment you feel gratitude, what gratitude means? Feeling great. Feeling great because of that glass of water you drank, that bath you took last night, that shower you took this morning, that cup of tea that is in your hands, that bird, that sun, little things, the little things. Then you start introducing into your life that wellness. And that's what high vibrational frequency is. You start dropping 
the layers, you start removing the blocks and being more connected with the truth of who you are, which is spaciousness, calmness. Like I experienced during my near death, that's why I craved it the rest of my life. Silence. The silence from all the noise. Exactly. And, and you know, Ingrid, I really love this explanation you're giving at this moment because I had a, a conversation not so long ago with a friend of mine. Um, and I told this person, look, I know many people just believe that but the moment we die, we die and that's it. You know, this is a one lifetime and that's it. So we have to do everything we can and buy everything we can and afford everything and we try everything we can because it's only going to be one time. But I told this person, what well, imagine, imagine at a certain point you just find out that that's not really true and that it will be part of it because this will go on and on and on and on and there you would have to rethink your whole life every moment at the moment you realize that you are eternal that changes the game completely. yes I love, yeah i love what you're saying and that's what i experienced from the moment i drowned it's when, when I said to you and I looked at my body and knew that was familiar. Later, I, I knew and I understood. And, and the more I, I, I was awakening and, and realizing who I truly was, I knew I was eternal, like the space in the room. We are eternal beings and your life as as Gabriela, my life as Ingrid, the life of as Pedro, as Maria, as Martha is just a parenthesis in the eternity of who we are. You know, I recommend people, I just taught a class. I, I teach a, a monthly mentoring session once a month. And I just taught a class last Saturday and it is really, really beautiful because it's all how the beings of light guided me through all these processes. It's just all these direct teachings of why are we here? Why do we forget who we truly are and what is the purpose of our uniqueness? So if people are interested, they can go find it in my, in my website and is that profound is, is realizing and how we can get to that realization. And it explains why do we forget? What is the purpose of forgetting? And, and what is the purpose of our uniqueness? Like even, even things like when I asked the beings of light, why my near-death experience happened when I was so young? And they said to me, because you were old enough to remember. Look at how amazing this is but young enough not to be conditioned yet. So all that I, I explain in that, uh, in that teaching or in that session that I gave last Saturday, but it's just realizing that there is much more. So for me, the fear of that completely gone and they can, there's a, it's, it's in the book. You guys are interested to read it, but you might think that, oh, how that, that fear of death, that may be something you think. No, I had experiences that proved to me 
that the fear of death was gone. I was almost realized and reading my book, we talk about it, but I was almost raped and murdered. Many things happened that proved to me the fear of, of death was gone. And even in extreme situations like that, I will go to that space. And I had to be dead so many times. And I'm here because every time you touch that deadness of who you are, you know what to do. Like I say, you become more intelligent. You become more efficient. You, you are the creator at that moment. Yeah. And, and I think um, what I read, I mean, you, you've been to the edge of death quite some times. Uh, very dangerous situations you have been through. And you could just have this awareness and this clarity of mind when I think most people were just paralyzed and just black out, for example. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it, it is, um, it's also very interesting to talk to you, uh, Ingrid, because, um, um, I think in your sessions, you can always, you can really, uh, guide many kinds of people. From the very rational to the very sentimental or, you know, because, um, you also can explain things in a way people can understand, but also take action, which is very important. And, uh, I have talked with, uh, some other people who are also very spiritual, but at the moment somebody asks like, okay, what do I do to apply in my own life? Well, that's a little difficult to explain, and especially with people. When people think that this is what we see is everything there is, and there is almost not much more than what we see, and our senses can feel. But at the moment, uh, you talk like someone to you, well, you can explain more how to take this into your own life, and by the empirical method, just try. If you don't believe, just try it. Take that yeah. in practice. So, Ingrid, two questions more. First, I know you stopped with a NASA work. Uh, maybe you can talk about that. And then please tell us what are you doing now? Yes, yes. Um, by, by the moment uh, when I stopped my work, by, that, by then I was now working with the U.S. Navy. So, yeah, I, I was still in the NASA base. But I was now working with the Navy. And I was at this moment, I had this huge like success, we could say us when we're thinking that success is our career, our titles are. So I, in that sense, I was successful. I was representing the Navy, all the U.S. Navy all over South America. I was doing incredible projects. I was, oh, pretty much making good money. I was doing really good. That is the moment where I had written my book and I started to feel that sense and like that is staging. This is very important to also recognize. I tried for a while to stay, but if the pull of doing something else and the push was so hard that at some point I, I just realized I cannot stay. Yeah, this is sometimes this is the thing too. Life is telling us to move on and we don't listen <laughs> because we become too attached to what we're doing. And, and I don't think we have time for that, but uh, we talked with Gabriela before how I had the whole experience of how life 
was guiding me and the being so light and my own inner wisdom to make a change. And when I didn't listen, I actually felt sick. I, I, I ended up in, in the hospital being sick, but the, the message, uh, what the being so light and, and my own inner message was you have to slow down. Because at that moment, I was doing a full-time job. I had my, my, I had a baby. My husband had a job where he had to travel. I took care of the house and we had a family business. Plus my book came out. So it was like the, I was just pretty much had to do the, the work of five people. And that's what we sometimes do to ourselves, not realizing that we're burning the body, that we need to be gentle with ourselves. We not just the body, we're we're burning our emotion, our I would call it the mental body, the physical body, the emotional body, the the psychological body, we're burning ourselves. And then there was the moment that life, because I didn't want to listen to my inner wisdom, it was through the body. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I actually pretty much almost did. I ended up in the hospital. My potassium had dropped critically. Nobody knew why, but I knew the world is asking me to stop. <laughs> my, my inner self was, and I knew at this moment that what I wanted to do more than anything was to start sharing this path of awareness with anyone that was there to listen. I wasn't thinking about numbers or it has to be the whole, I just thought. When I wrote my book and, and it came out, people asked me, you, what, you're thinking to be a bestseller? And I said, no, if this book helps one person, I am already a bestseller. So it was, what can I do being that light for the person that is next to me? next to me people say what is my mission and i said be and you're already a purpose the being so light said to me your purpose is to be the light and your mission is to shine it look at how beautiful is that so yeah at that moment i i i i remember i i am in the hospital and i had the absolute clarity it was, I think, a Saturday, a Friday, and I say, Monday, I'm quitting this job. I knew, I knew, and the fear was gone. You know, you know when you know. People ask me, but how do you know? You know it. At that moment, I had that knowing the fear was gone. The sense of, even though later in my life, I thought, what did you do? Oh, my God, how could you quit this job? But it didn't matter at that moment. I knew it. And that Monday, I went to my, my boss and I said, I'm done. And yeah, there was the part where like, oh, you can, how can we give you, what can I, what can we, how can we keep you, all this stuff. And I, it was just the sense I'm not being arrogant. I just know that I have to go. And the, the, this other path of service opened to me. Remember when I was 19, they said that I was going to be a teacher. And I said, I don't want to teach. <laughs> I was, no, are you great? No, I don't, never want to teach this. And now the call happened. So I knew I was ready. And the call happened and, and the doors started to open. The people put in the path. Again, this is another thing. People that have these spiritual experiences, again, don't, also be careful who you truly, who you talk with. 
who you talk with because not everybody, not because they're mean, they're just not ready to understand. You cannot go teach to a kindergarten calculus. No, you have to go, you have to put, be gentle, put yourself at the level they are because they're not ready for stuff like that. So I, I yeah, I, I quit my job and this is what I'm doing now. So what I'm doing today is just, wow, I just, I, I felt the sense of service. I, I had an experience in when I went to a trip and I almost drowned again. <laughs> I was caught by a wave. And I'm being like thrown by these waves. I, I was in, in Costa Rica and I I was pulled out Come of out. the water. <laughs> and now I am standing at the edge of the ocean. And Gabriela, at that moment, I had the absolute clarity that during the time I was caught by these waves, other and other and other, I never felt fear. Not even one drop of fear. So I'm standing in, in the ocean and looking at the horizon and it's when I said, I'm ready to surf. The fear was gone. The fear of sharing, the fear of opening up, the fear of giving, the fear of being. And it started to flow through me and, and I didn't have to really do anything and expect anything and go like, what am I going to do next or nothing. I just was ready to surf. And because I already have created a ground and I have worked with our family businesses and stuff, I already created the ground for me to be able to grow in this other thing I'm doing now. And the opportunities started to come, the people started to come, all these. And all I had to do was to be it. And every morning I wake up and I think, God, how can I serve today? How can I serve today? And it just flows. So it's, I think, just trust. But how can you trust? You cannot trust if you're in the noise because you don't know what you're hearing. You're confused. And how can you trust that? Go back to that silence. Go back to that patience. Go back to reconnect who you are. with the, And you will feel that empowerment. You will know the answers. I see people ask, they've been so like said, learn to ask the right questions and you will get the right answers. But what is the question? Then ask, what is the question? <laughs> powerful, really powerful. Yeah. yeah. And, and little by little, yeah, but sorry, the people ask, ask me how I go back there. Have we just been talking? Step by step. Get out of your car. Missing that step. Go to a walk in meditation. Close your eyes. And I said, this is the other important thing. This is really crucial. Say that you went for a walk in meditation. Or you decided, I'm going to practice awareness today. And at the end of your day or at the end of your walk in meditation, you realize, mm -hmm. I didn't hear any bird. I didn't feel the wind. I did. I was in my office and I never even listened to my step. Felt the keyboard did nothing. So I said to people, pat yourself in the shoulder, praise your awareness, because at that moment you were aware that you were not aware. Look at 
God, that's it. That's it. No, okay, that's a jewel of love. Because we're being conditioned to think that I am not enough. Look, I didn't do it right. I went to this walking meditation or I supposed to practice awareness today and I didn't do anything. I'm, I'm silly. I'm stupid. I, I can never do anything right because since we're little, what is the first things we learn? No. No, don't do it that way. It's not like that. It's not. No, no. So what we have to do when we're gentle with ourselves is to reprogram our subconscious mind to think, wow, start looking at yourself, become the observer of yourself. Oh, I understand due to conditioning because, yeah, my parents, it's not to put the guilt on anyone. Yeah, my parents didn't know better. My teacher didn't know better. The people, the beings of life said to me, be, see, see the good, see the good in everyone. They try to do their best. They just don't know better because they also have been conditioned. See? So it's like, oh, okay. So I started to become that observer on myself and realize, wow, yeah, I, I, I didn't know better. So what about instead of being trapped in the story of me and poor me, I start patting myself in the shoulder for every moment of awareness I have. And that's like that little candy. And for the system, it's like if you have a moment of gratitude, you ate a candy of serotonin, a hormone of well-being. What are you doing? <gasps> Taking the backpack out of your shoulder. And wow, good job. Good job, Gabriela. You were aware that I was not aware. And then every time you price your awareness, say that you're angry today, you didn't even see it at the moment, but a minute later, I'm like, wow, why did I get this, ang this angry? And then you start, instead of running away and bypassing, that is what a lot happened in this spiritual past two that they call a spiritual bypassing. Instead of running away, you stop and you ask that emotion, what are you doing here? What is the purpose of this anger? And maybe then you start discovering that behind the, the anger, maybe it's fear. Behind the fear, there's maybe some sense of just not feeling well with yourself or with someone. There's so much that is being layer and mass behind our emotions. Then little by little, we start putting ourselves together. The beings of life said, oneness starts within yourself. We're broken in millions of pieces. Gather little by little all those pieces and put yourself together again. With gentleness, with love, with appreciation. We say, good job, Ingrid, you... You were aware of that anger. What is this for? See, look at all that process of becoming aware and conscious of you. And then we don't get mad at ourselves. See, if we do it like that, step by step, then we, we don't get the sense of, I didn't accomplish that huge goal. You know, that expectation thing. Because it's just you 
patting yourself and becoming, oh, and feeling the joy of your awareness at every step, every step. You have that cup of tea. It feels good. The being so light said that this is maybe we, we almost, we are there at the, at the edge of finishing this, but before we go, I, ha- I want to say people being so light said to me, people learn to recognize the ones that do their triggers. They always say, recognize your triggers. What are your buttons? What triggers you? Okay, yeah, I have this list of things that trigger me. What do you do with that? <laughs> then you stay in the in the trigger and what? It's not resolving anything. Then the being so light said to me, create a list of reset buttons. What are you going to do when you're being triggered? And if, if at that moment, you don't have, they don't tell us what to do, how to get out of it. So create is what they call a spiritual environment. Create that list of reset buttons that are very simple. Nothing complicated. Again, step by step. So you just, your list will be, ah, oh, when I am triggered, when I'm angry, I'm going to remember this incredible cup of coffee I drank this morning. This incredible shower I took. Oh, that nap. Oh, that feels good. What about you? You're just too much in your ego at that moment. You go and take a break in the bathroom. That's in your reset. Oh, you go put water in your face. Oh, that helps me. You keep a, like, I, I keep a little rock in your pocket. Your reminder that you're more than that moment. Oh, I am awareness. I am the light of consciousness. Or you, your list is go watch this movie that makes you laugh. This TV show, see, it's simple stuff. So you now have a list, write it down, put it somewhere where you start remembering this is my list of reset buttons. How do I help myself to go back to alignment? Really very powerful tips. Amazing, amazing. They're really, this is gold. This is really gold. And, uh, yeah, I would really talk to you like an hour more, but I think we have just reached the end of our conversation, unfortunately. But, um, where do, do people can find you if they think I really need to know more, talk to, or talk more to Ingrid? Where can they find you? Yes, I have a website. It's uh, IngridHonkala.com. Honkala, uh, you maybe... I will write it. I will write it in the description. They know. And I also like, as um, Gabriela is saying, and I was mentioning before, I offer, um, it's a monthly mentoring session. And there I teach like subjects like that. Who am I? What is the suffering for? What happened in the afterlife? Uh, why are we here? What is the purpose of our uniqueness? And the teachings are amazing because it's like that, like the beings of light have given me the most incredible and easy analogies. And that's the way I wrote my book too. I didn't want it to be complicated. How can it be access to anybody? And I have, I also offer one-on-one sessions and I have a YouTube channel too, where people can see, and I'm, I'm, I'm about, was more meditations, but I have a couple of meditations there. And in, in my monthly mentoring sessions, we meditate together too. 
I give a teaching and we do an hour of, of questions and answers. So it's good because it gives people the opportunity to, to ask. Um, I'm also in the social media and there's my book too. So yeah, and there's just m many ways that people can see what I'm doing and, and teaching. Are you planning to write another book? Maybe? Yeah, there's like, like three. Because my first book was actually so, I, I wrote 170,000 words. So we only could, of course, cut the book. So there's a lot more material for that. And actually with, with all these uh, mentoring sessions that I'm doing, is the second Saturday of, of the month. I call it Saturday with the Beans of Light. Incredibly, every session has turned into a chapter of pretty much a book I will maybe have for this year or next year because it's just this purity, this all these teachings and, and the way it's so easy to just give them and for people to understand them. Oh, that is really great news. Really great news. Well, Ingrid, I really want to um, say you thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for this precious, nice interview full with golden tips for us that are living the burnout society. Uh, my mission is to, um, yeah, to help change the society, just a normal society where people are more loving and uh, finding more purpose in their lives. So thank you very much, Ingrid. And I hopefully I will see you again as a person and not only in the, in my screen of my PC. <laughs> Oh, yes. Hopefully someday we just be there and give a hug to each other. And thank you for you and thank you for the work that you're doing. You're bringing light to the world. And I, I send this big love and hug to you and all the, the audience. Thank you for having me here. <laughs>